And welcome to the third episode of Bruisers. Today I am joined in studio with two very special guests. One that I've been reaching, uh, looking forward to the entire time, Rod McKenzie. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. And that's and that's no relation to Spud, as we learned earlier. Uh, it's a distant relative. <laughs> <laughs> very and distant. You are the bar manager at Off Square. Yep, Tapper manager. Yeah, you are the NWI beer trade IP administrator. <laughs> this is true, and you are a craft beer connoisseur. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> it's above all three, I would say. Right. That's the, you know that's what I'm known by the connoisseur first. Right. I, I like that's the it. second moniker the best. <laughs> that one, my favorite. And you're hearing Dave Foreman. Dave is a. You are also the bar manager at Docs. Yes. You are in control of 64 beers. Uh, well, 62, we have a non-alcoholic, which is a root beer we do by Abita. And then we also have a keg cocktail, which is our region relaxer. It's a uh, pineapple-infused clementine vodka. Um, we do that for a 12-day steep at room temperature. So uh, we throw that on nitro. And then pretty shortly, we're going to have uh, three tapped cocktails. So we're going to take that awesome. list down a little bit more. Okay, so you got that whole thing going on. You got, the, you got the mixed cocktails. You got the beers. You're in charge of bringing in the local scene into like what I would say is the part, much the most modern aspect of bar that I've seen from a serving of local beers of the diversity of it. Oh yeah, it's a place where you can come. You know, you don't have much time to go out and uh, visit a lot of places. Uh, you come to Docks and you can kind of see a lot of what's happening in the region as far as the beer scene with uh, you know all these local breweries popping up and uh, you know come in and try them all. Sure. Because we have pretty much most of them on at Docks or if not rotating throughout there. And like Rod, you are a beer connoisseur. <laughs> I'd loosely based, I guess, right? Not yeah, loosely no, no, based. No, no. I mean, what you brought in today was not loosely based. Uh, I think I, a lot of people would be I just into have, it. I just have good taste. That doesn't mean I'm a connoisseur, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, is there a sommelier for beers? Uh, yeah, that would be uh, that's a a Cicerone. Cicerone. Cicerone, yeah. Oh, well, we got to all aspire to do that. Let's make a blood a blood pack today that we're going to do it. Yeah, definitely. I, well, Josh, get the knife. I, I've uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been a part of that one. Uh, they've just released like what eighteen months ago the Cicerone Forcer. It's uh, it's pretty. I would love to get get into that. That's uh, going to be a little more intensive studying for me. But uh, and the price isn't isn't uh, exactly inexpensive. But uh, I would love to get that under my belt definitely someday. Yeah. Um, so throwing there's there's four different levels right now. Yeah. Four. Uh, level one is uh, one that I actually am right now. Oh, I have, congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the process of studying for level two. Um, I think the reason why I laugh a little bit is it's a 60-question online test. Um, you know, it is... So it's like getting um, ordained as a minister right now. Yeah, That's yeah. correct. Online. Which I am. I am, too. I also <laughs> nice. Congrats. Yeah, How yeah. many weddings have you done? Well, none, but I'm, I'm, you know, striving to do my first. I have one. Okay. I have one under my belt. If you need any advice, I'm here for you. Well, we had a slow day at the brewery one day when, you know, we all saw that we all had to do it online, so we all went online and do it, and everybody that was working that day all of a sudden was now an ordained minister. So. <laughs> <laughs> so with the the Cicerone, there is uh, four levels to it, and uh, I am actually actively studying to be level two, which is the true Cicerone. Level one is known as a certified beer server, and I do have uh, my bartenders at Off Square, uh, all but two right now are level one certified. And, you know, it's something that I want everybody to have. So, you know, the last two are actively studying to do that first level test. But the uh, second level to become an actual Cicerone, it's tenfold from level one. So it is, you know, mm -hmm. very involved. Uh, they claim you should study for a year or two in order to get to it. Uh, there are different chapters, units that can help prepare you. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm in, you know, my second uh, chapter unit of my study for that so 
Awesome. Well, yeah. Good luck yeah, on that because that seems like a journey. It yeah. is. And it's not cheap either. It's and not cheap. It's, no? not. it's and, not. And it is very intensive too. Um, I, I've read up on a lot of those and done the first one also, but uh, three and four are like insane. You know, I think it's like $800 for three and yeah. then 1100 for four, uh, but four is calling for this insane amount of knowledge that you have to have before you even think about taking it. Because if you fail, you know, you're paying another thousand dollars to retake it and it's where it's all for not you know so level two there is a i just learned the exact percentage a 33 percent passing rate for level two so it's like the bar exam uh it's harder than the bar exam that's exactly (laughs) what they say yeah so it's by taste there is a tasting portion and that is the toughest part of it um so the level two it is four hundred dollars to take it and if you fail the tasting portion of it, you could retake just that portion. I think it's $100 to retake that tasting portion. But uh, it's, it's, it's pretty intense, the tasting portion. It's a, a bunch of different you know, levels of it to where they'll say, what style of beer is this? Uh, if a guest gave you this beer back and they said it was no good, is this beer truly no good or is the guest wrong? You have to say if the, you know what it is, if you should pull it off tap. So it is uh, pretty intense. Um, so in both of your establishments, are you telling the guests that they're wrong? That, <laughs> telling them they're wrong, like in in, in which context? Like uh, in I mean, if it, you're the beer span. Well, yeah. If you're and then they're saying like I want a goza, and you're like oh, and then you give them a goza, and they're like this isn't a goza. And where do you go with that? I would probably say, well, maybe this style isn't for you. Let's try a different style. <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. If somebody's just blatantly wrong about something, then it's up to you to kind of educate them on what they No, you're wrong. Yeah. You're so stupid. <laughs> no. But for that, it's just like a, a subtle education on something. You know, uh, the good thing we do at Docs is that we sample out uh, a lot of the stuff that, that people can try. And... Um, the staff has gotten so good at you know picking two beers and being able to distinguish that palate of the person that's asking or maybe not educated quite a bit on uh, on craft beer where they can pick two beers and then they like the one so they know what to go with and what not to uh, and that helps a lot too with with beer but because some people come in they'll be like 10 percenter i'll take it you know and, be like, <laughs> and then spit it out and be like this is terrible and then it's like hey thanks for wasting that beer right there uh, that costs money you know a lot of and times that goes for the coloring too you know someone's yeah. like oh no i don't drink dark beers you know they just have this like preconceived oh, yeah. notion so weird that you know dark beers they're not going to drink when it's not always the case that that dark beer is a 10 percenter or you know, super heavy. That's not always the case. And a lot of times you just want to, you know, educate them and let them know that, hey, you know what, just try it. You know, the, the color is coming from the color of the malt that was used. That's it. It's nothing other than it was roasted a little bit longer. Right. So it gave the beer a different color. It doesn't necessarily mean it's stronger, heavier, thicker. You know, it's just uh, a good a, example of that one is like uh, we keep Shinerbach on for you know barbecue it's huge in texas, texas you know, so sure. so it's it's a darker hue to that beer and uh, you know uh, people ask for like a lighter style beer and i'll pour them a shinerbach because it goes really good with barbecue it's got you know a great aftertaste for it so we'll pour them and be like oh no i don't like dark beer <laughs> like well that's where you just like that's just we don't describe beer as that anymore you know dark beer and light beer is just you know we're kind of past that now there's no uh, descriptor of dark and light because <laughs> but here's a here's a really light beer and guess what you're gonna drink one of them and you're gonna feel it you know and it's still gonna be just as heavy as that dark beer that you thought was you know so heavy but isn't because you know again those those lambics some of those are very dark beers and they're only what four or five percent exactly yeah yeah well they say the whole cicerone program was started because um he wanted people to be more intelligent more educated have a better understanding and he said he started the program because he didn't want bad beer he wanted the people that were in charge of pouring it tapping it to know the beer and be able to talk about it and say yeah you know what maybe that is bad and so let's pull it because we didn't want to have that bad beer on tap so well it's interesting you say that because if you start to uncover and i didn't know this when i first started right uh i I homebrewed like i don't know a decade ago right and that's what kind of really brought me into like the scene 
that's pretty good though. That's a long time ago. That's yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've been in it. I don't like, but I mean, you guys like you. Even today, I'm learning more about it. But I mean, that's really what the community is about, right? Absolutely. Enlightening and educating, right? Absolutely. Um, but one of the things I learned about was how these contests are. Like when you guys, say for Off Square in particular, when you submit 20 different beers. The ju- I mean, people don't think about this. The judges of the, the say the Goza, has to try forty to fifty beers, and that taste by the by the thirtieth beer. Yes. I mean, even if you're spitting it out, you're drunk. Yes. Right. So it's like there's that whole aspect of even the judging of by these medals that is really fascinating. But that's sidetrack. But going back to what you guys were saying, one of the reasons I was really interested in having you guys on, and it's one of the things that I'm going to be doing, I want to say once a, once every four weeks is that I want to start bringing in everybody from all facets of the brewing industry. And you guys, I feel like, just by the conversations we've had, no one knows it better than you guys in particular. Well, maybe there is, but at least I I don't get that impression, right? And so I was interested to kind of just hear your guys' perspective, especially from the the distribution side and the brewing side and how those kind of uh, thoughts really kind of ring um, parallel, right? Sure. And so... What a, one of the things that I'm fascinated by is trends. I think the first trend that got me into beer was Citra. Yes. The big Citra craze. Absolutely. Right? And that was like my first beer was Deal with the Devil at 18th Street. Oh. That blew me away. And I didn't realize beer could be like that. And I think we can all agree, and I think that even the listeners now, is that like you don't start drinking beer and love the first taste. Sure. It's no. an acquired taste. Sure. Right? Yeah. you got to keep drinking. And so... What's great about these crazes is I believe it does bring in new people, whether you like them or not, right? Yeah. And so what crazes are going on right now? I know the milkshake one is a big one, and so is, I, I would say, the, the, the Gosa, right? Yeah. And so how can you guys speak on that? Uh, I, well, the New England-style IPA, I mm. think, uh, set off that uh, I definitely kinda... agree. I think that New England-style really came out and uh, kind of took a lot of people by surprise, too. I think we're all looking for the loggers and the pilsners to really uh, take over, but I think the uh, New England style really slid in there for the trendy style at the time. Definitely. They have the... a nice ABV to them to where it's like right in the middle. They're juicy. I mean, they're oh, they're kind juicies, of man. Yeah. juicy and easy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I mean, they quench your thirst too. I mean, it's something you could drink. You don't feel bloated after you're drinking them. You know, you can have a couple of them and you still still taste just as good. You know, you don't have that kind of residual residue on your tongue when you're done drinking like three or four of them to where you're just like oh this is i need to switch you know it's like bring it on i want more so i don't know and then it kind of the this the milkshake thing just kind of slid right in there after that is like it wasn't too far off of what it was you just added more of a kind of a creamy fruit flavor to it and I mean, I know it's way more complicated than that. But, yeah, it's it's but, it's you uh, add that lactose closely, sugar and you add yeah. that fruit and well, what is that? It sounds like a milkshake. You yeah, know? definitely. So, sure. Well, and who's that? So you're mentioning the hazy IPA. So I'll start on that. Chris from Devil's Trumpet was in here last podcast, and he was talking about how it's actually a complete 180 from what he learned from a brewer <laughs> because you wanted it to be clear Absolutely. this entire time. The clearer, the better the brewer. And now you're forcing the haze on people, yeah, yeah. and it's changing the game. Yeah, yeah, if you get a lot of those classic brewers, a lot of the guys, they struggle to want to make a New England style because they're like, uh, this beer's supposed to be clear. Why am I going to make it intentionally cloudy? <laughs> um, you know, they're thinking about the judging on how clear it is and how true to style the beer is and, you know, they had to essentially create this new style and that's what the New England ended up being. And do you guys know where that came from? I mean, I know... New England. (laughs) (laughs) God, you're brilliant. Well, yeah. Yeah. Damn, Rod, thank you for being here. (laughs) You're enlightening everybody. But like, is there a brewery that kind of led the charge on that? I mean, how does these trends start? So I believe I believe the first ever was the the Alchemist Heady Topper, oh, and you know it it is known as one of the original New England styles. And the irony of that is the uh, the discussion behind it is it actually says on the can, "Drink from the can." They didn't want you to pour it into a glass. 
So it's always this uh, little inside thing. Oh, the reason they didn't want you to pour it in a glass is because then you'll see how truly hazy it is and that it's not a true clear style. So that's why they wanted you to drink from a can. Interesting. So whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's what they say. That's I why. drink it from an old shoe. It's <laughs> right, right. I don't think I've had it. It's yeah, it delicious. Is, it, it is. It's a very good beer, you know, but uh, that is one of the originals that I think a lot of the breweries, you know, kind of uh, – looked at their front runner as the one that started the uh the the trend the style but then all the other i mean you know joked about it but it is it's all the east coast breweries that really like took off with it uh treehouse treehouse trillium trillium is fantastic you know and they they really you know front run ran it front run it front ran it sure Sure, forerunner forerunner runner. that's good too <laughs> i don't know so you know they they were the ones that really like you know started the whole trend but you know you you get great brewers everywhere that are able to you know do their own styles and you know even in our area right now you get people that you know can totally kill that style right now and i you know maplewood maplewood is absolutely, absolutely destroying it right now uh the charlatan i mean juice pants the uh Son of Juice, I think, is the Son of Juice. You of brought that over the last time you were here, yeah. and I couldn't believe how good that beer was. Beer is yeah. phenomenal, and what's great about that beer too is the people behind it. Um, I, I was lucky enough to be able to meet uh, the people that are uh, responsible for that beer and hang out with them and talk, you know, mm. shop with them, and uh, just see how passionate they are about the beer and how excited they are about you know getting people to taste it and ways to get it out to people to try. And, you know, it's this cool little spot in Logan Square at the end of Maplewood Avenue. And you go in there, the place is always, like, buzzing. It's just all, it could be Monday. It doesn't matter. It's just a tap room? Yeah, it's just a little tap room, you know. And um, just everything coming out of that place has just been so good, you know. Um, They have a Pulaski Pills that's, I think, what, uh, Czech-style, kind of Polish-Czech-style beer. Um, That's just solid, really solid beers. There's nothing I haven't tried from them that I haven't liked. Um, and just to see the people that are behind it is awesome too, because you you see a whole different side of it, and you're happy for that beer on top of it, you know. Oh, yeah. But that so. kind of proves a lot of times that it's the hype that is really driving it, because people will pay ten dollars a can for a Trillium and a Treehouse when you got these local breweries that are doing it just as good, if not better, that are accessible, but because it doesn't have that hype behind it and yeah. the you know the whole aura behind all oh, that's a true you know new england right. east coast can you're not going to look at it as the same even though it's just as good do you do you think the, that um them powdering the dry hop process affected that process in the in the new england's was that something that may have like upped the aromatics and the juiciness and sure. all that yeah yeah so uh, yeah i don't know it I think that when you that say powdering, a, you mean as in like literally taking the pellets out of the hot process, and just shrinking it to yeah. pulverizing it to nothing, and then adding it yeah. into the fermentation process. Right. So the finishing. Right. No way. So then it just it doesn't change it the alcohol in it or anything like it. Just basically aromatics, um, so that when you drink the mouthfeel, the juiciness, like the 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 smell, I think would be more affected to it than Interesting. if it was just straight up full full pellets or full hops. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think because you're covering more of a surface area with the powder that it's kind of just putting off that heavy aromatics that people are getting. But I don't know. Well, I it's funny know. you say that because I thought the mouthfeel to those hazies were very similar to a Belgian in yeah. a lot of ways. Right. Yeah, I mean, up front, definitely. They they seem a little more uh, rich up front, like kind of creamy up front, um, but just juicy all the way through the finish. Sure. And it, it feels like it might get heavy at the end, but they're just like crisp and thirst quenching all the way through. They're very dangerous beers for sure. Because oh, yeah. uh, what Son of Juice is like six point one or something like that. And yeah, easy to drink. You're drinking easy it like it's a four point five. My favorite beer term that's become popular is crushable. Oh, definitely. I love crushable <laughs> beers. <laughs> crushable. And you guys make an amazing juicy. And I'm pointing to Off Square. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, you, your juicy was incredible, and that's off now, right? That's the son of juicy. Is that what it was? What was that called? That was the the New England style we did. Yeah, what was that? That what was, was Osei Can Juicy. Osei Can Juicy. <laughs> who comes? Who ma- up, yeah, yeah, who comes up with the names? You know, it, it, it's kind of funny because you know the whole naming process. It's a lot deeper than you think. You know, we go back and forth, and we come up with all kinds of different names until 
you know, everyone's like, yeah, that's a good name for it. And that Osei Kenji C was, uh, you know, kind of a last minute thing and everybody started laughing about it. So that's kind of how it stuck. But yeah, that was our, our small batch New England style and it flew, you know, it went, it went quickly. So, you know, it just goes to show that's what people are looking for. You know, they like that style. They like what's trendy at the time. And that, that was it. Well, it killed, and I'm sure you guys slayed that and got rid of that really fast. Really fast. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you guys a question about demand, because I think this is really important. So, Ryan, I'll start with you from the brewing side. You guys brew a batch. It's a pilot batch. What's the process like? Are you brewing in a small barrel system just to kind of see what it's like? So depending on what beer it is, the majority of the time it will just go to the big system, but we will do a small batch. We'll test it out on a small batch and see how it goes. Um, because we do so many different styles, uh, you know, we'll look at it and, you know, the brewers will be like, are we going to brew something that we want to drink or are we going to brew something that somebody else wants to drink? And we always say you do both, right? You know, you brew what you like, you brew what other people like. You know, the the Osei Kanju see that's obviously a New England style that you know other people are going to want to drink, so that's why you did that. They did that one on the small batch just to make sure that, it came out how they liked came out you know you're not stuck with 35 kegs of something that didn't come out how you necessarily wanted so you could do it as kind of a test and that's you know what we do on the small batch um, we have one small batch on right now that is just you know a fantastic beer um, it is uh, kind of a beer geeks beer you know if you get an, an uh, average beer drinker they might not necessarily go for it it's a ESB which is an English style beer extra special bitter um, just if you get your average beer drinker they're gonna look at that name and think that it's something that it's not and an ESB is kind of an English style malty beer but because it says bitter in the name they're not gonna drink it and that's something that you know we will do on the small batch see how it goes and it's a fantastic beer but because it's only a beer geek beer it's one of those things that's not going to go as fast. Sure. Well, you get through the pilot system. You'll say you think it's going to be amazing. You throw it into the big system. You sell out of it in days. How long does it take to brew that beer the next time? So, Got to be quite a bit to schedule it in. Yeah. So obviously, you know, to do the full batch, it's going to take you two and a half, three weeks, you know, from day one till you're tapping it. But, you know, I think the one off square is most famous for doing is the pink cowbell. You know, our strawberry milkshake IPA, the first time we did it was a small batch, and yeah, it took off, it flew. Um, obviously, the milkshakes are popular right now, and it, it absolutely flew, and it was a great reception. So we wow. did we did the big did batch the, for it. Did we so. get the first first one from that? Did we get one of the first ones from that, I yeah, think? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah, I, think we got to, I think we got, me and Ron got together and talking about it, gotten excited about what they were doing, and just talking to him about what was coming out and like what he was excited about and uh, pink cowbell was probably a topic of conversation for that so we couldn't wait to try it we put it on uh did a pre-shift and uh with the staff and let them try it and uh, you know the staff went nuts uh, uh, usually you got um, a staff of uneducated uh <laughs> craft beer you know 20 somethings that are mostly female that would rather have a margarita or you know something uh, <laughs> leave me out of this conversation yeah. dave <laughs> <laughs> something else you know so uh you know when they tried it they were very excited about it and then the cherry springer follow-up i think killed it and killed i it. i think it was more popular uh than the pink cowbell in in you know the whole dock spectrum because that we couldn't even keep it on the on on tap it was gone you know gone. staff was just uh staff staff beers after work and then like them telling people about it and saying you gotta try this beer you gotta try you gotta go check this place out and it's a lot of our staff's favorite place to go a lot of our staff from docks goes to off square to spend their free time and hang out and um, drink beer uh, they could go anywhere um, we have breweries coming in all the time and offering to to take the girls to uh you know to tours or take the staff to tours and and to tastings and stuff like that and they still choose to hit up off square or local places crazy and it's just like a testament to the quality that they're putting out so i think that's one of the big things about the milkshake style is that it is approachable for people that aren't necessarily 
the quote-unquote beer geeks. You know, it's the people that are entry-level beer drinkers because of, you know, the fruity, sweeter taste to it. The mouthfeel is, you know, kind of got that thicker thicker mouthfeel to it. But then a true beer geek is going to look at it and be like, okay, so they did this to it. You know, they, yeah, there's lactose sugar in it. That's what makes it sweeter. Uh, lactose sugar doesn't ferment. So if you add that to it, you're going to get that sweeter, thicker mouthfeel to it. And the beer geeks look at it and they, you know, really dissect it a little bit more where somebody who's just a casual beer drinker just wants to drink something, you know, they'll say, oh, yeah, that was great. That tastes strawberry and fruity. It does taste like a strawberry milkshake. And that's the end of it. And that's great. But because, you know, you have, you know, the, the, the different levels of beer knowledge, I think that's what's cool about the milkshake style. It really appeases to everybody to where some of the styles, you know, you have to have that you know, beer knowledgeable, beer geek person to appreciate it, where I think the milkshake really opens it up to everybody. Yeah, and speaking of like a full circle, you're talking about having the first keg there. I think we ran that contest with you guys on Off Square for the release of Cherry Springer and Pink Cowbell, right? That's that's true, yeah. That's crazy. So look at that. We had no idea how, how small that circle is. It was the launch of some great some great things, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> some, some good contributions to the region, for sure. Well, I'll tell you this. My wife is, so she started out not being a beer drinker when we met 10 years ago. Um, she's been, uh, she, I'd say she got infiltrated by Blue Moon. And I think she, she's always been kind of passive into, like, figuring out what kind of style she likes. She loves the pumpkin beers, which we'll get to. But she gets into that. The Crown Pumpkin Beer in particular, she loves. Um, but it gets to the point to where we want I want her to be drinking more beers, beers. And I think this is the first craze she's jumped on, the milkshake one, and Windmill in particular has just blown that up for her. So, like, it doesn't matter if it's the Mimosa, it doesn't matter if it's the Geeks and Memes, it doesn't matter what it is, she's all for. And so how does that affect your demand when it comes to putting those on in docks? Uh, it, it was just well received there right I mean, away right? right away it was an effortless yeah, when, when like, killed it you yeah. know they, they did a great job they they grabbed it they ran with it and they wanted to keep playing with it they try pretty much everything they could to you know keep it going um from you know the gummy bears to you know the real fruit to they they've done it all and they're they're killing it with the milkshake styles you know that's what this area is known for is windmill in their milkshakes so yeah I, I love it i love it all but you know it would also be great to have some windmill on tap and too. <laughs> <laughs> plug plug you know, you know no 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 but uh i i i think it's awesome you know because uh, you know being so close to windmill we have a lot of people and a lot of feedback that come from local immediate area and uh, yeah, we paired you, know. you guys with uh, windmill yeah yeah and the social media side of it yeah yeah we actually did uh the food for their uh last event um last year for their anniversary party so yeah it was awesome it was an all-day event we went through some crazy amount of wings and and food sure um but yeah it's great to be able to not be competitive with local business like but collaborate with them and just share that same passion same interest in things and and watch things become successful because of the collaboration yeah. and, and the work together and stuff like that so i think it's great so where do you see the current trends now i mean i saw a glitter beer pop up you know you've got your you've got your your seasonal i've beers. never still never heard the glitter beer but for me and for at docs uh, i think uh the last quarter and the beginning of this Q3 has been uh, a slower, essentially for beer last year. It was pretty slow, slow going for craft beer, uh, just because people are out, they're barbecuing, they're drinking from home. They discovered their craft beer and they're drinking with their friends or whatever. They're not really hitting up the restaurants. But this year has been crazy. And um, a big part of that has been like the lighter ABV beers, like lagers and Hellas and uh, Pilsners and just the easier drinking sessionable beers. That uh, patio pills from 18th Street is phenomenal. Patio pills, yeah. For a crushable summer beer yeah, sex, that's in sex the traditional candy sense. Too. Uh, crush, mean, candy crushable too. That too. I mean, I think we've gone through a half barrel of sex and candy every week for the last four weeks. So I, it just, that kind of stuff is selling like crazy now. People are loving that they can drink something, they can have a couple beers, they still are good to go and have you know, a couple more if they want, or if not, you know, move on to something else wow. and, and still eat and not be, you know, overly stuffed and have, have more, you know, that one more beer than they would normally have. 
Sure. So yeah. Just don't put any glitter in my beer, please. Yeah, no glitter beer, please. I I've never heard of the glitter beer. I, I guess I need to get on the up and up on that. I've only seen pictures. I have not actually had one. I probably wouldn't even have one any because I just don't trust it. Any doing them? Yeah, there are some locals that do it. <laughs> you scared to name them all or something? <laughs> I'm, I'm not naming it. I, I'm oh, just, I, I don't know. I just think it's... I like how we just uh, didn't acknowledge the party foul that just happened, though. I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I if, appreciate if you, if, that. I know you, everyone's listening, but Dave spilled a, a little bit of pink cowbell oh, everywhere. No, a little, a little bit everywhere. <laughs> it was not. It was just a little bit. Yeah, um, I, I like the uh, when it comes to the pumpkin beers. Like I'm okay with it. I don't mind it. Uh, I do enjoy it. I enjoy the winter lagers. I think the the one that I would really love to see, and it's probably I mean, there's no way of predicting these crazes, right? Because it comes down to just where it, where it kind of lands. Of course, exactly. I would love to see the white stout explode. Yeah, I, I think it will. I really think it will. Um, and it's really hard for this demographic that we're in because it's unlike anywhere else, I think, in the country. It's just like so it's one day something's hot, the next day yeah, it's just it's gone. No, it's gone. It's never heard of. And it's just so, yeah. But whatever. I think it's the quickest introduction into a stout beer because it's the, it's the color. Right? right? Absolutely. When it comes to the color, like when it comes to the milkshake, I think the milkshake's going to add the market share when it comes to against domestic beers more than any craze that we've seen so yeah. far because there's so many beer drinkers and, and I'd say female drinkers in particular who who I'll actually I won't even say I won't even make it gender specific I'll say people who are not familiar with the incredible beer game and their, their palates aren't experienced enough that it's a great introduction into it exactly. and I think it's gonna that's gonna become a jumping board off of into more styles once they get that love of beer which is I think is a really important thing you know and so if you get that aspect of it then you get the white stout introduced where yeah. it's actually going to be a wider darker beer yeah now we're in now i think you've got it all across the board that you've got pretty much the palate cleansed to really use that as a diving board into everything else yeah and then you know that white stout is kind of like what i'm talking about too with you know you know keep your eyes closed and what what is it you taste you know don't don't be right don't have that you know misconception based on the color because if i had my eyes closed and i drank a white stout i might think that that's a dark beer just because it's hitting the oh, flavor yeah. profile of a true stout so right. yeah you know that that's one of those big things where i'm like you know don't be you know judgmental based on the color so have you guys tried the uh beer geeks 18th street collab what's in the box the what's in the box yeah no i haven't tried that one. that's a game changer dude. Yeah, well, you've good. tried you've that, had it that's a good one yep. that was a game changer and it was the perfect winter beer oh, yeah if there was one and there's only been like i didn't i didn't get a chance to try the collab what you guys did with byway docs and byway but i would like to have seen like that one too to kind of test oh, it because it's very like there's a lot of cinnamon in those beers. It was a great balance. And, you know, for that one, there, were, there wasn't any, I don't believe there was any cinnamon in that one. Um, but the, the the way that it was balanced was perfect. It, it just had, it was a, it was appealing to all spectrums of drinkers. Um, a lot of people tried it out just because it was our first beer that we've ever done there at Docs. And uh, people that wouldn't normally drink a barrel-aged beer were trying it and being like, holy cow, this is, you know, just like the milkshake, like people that wouldn't normally be into it um, tried it out for the first time just because the association it had with Docs and Byway. And it, it, people, for the most part, were all excited about it because even the the novice drinkers who uh, you know the the people that are very into the craft beer were all uh, excited about how it came out uh, for me I, I was a little skeptical at first because I was like well we're gonna do uh, this type of uh, beer uh, without it I had only tried it on nitro before the white stouts Chico. so yeah so I was just like I, I can't wait to see how it tastes and and the mouthfeel and all that stuff and it was just perfectly balanced it was well done yeah. and I can't wait to try the next one and you know uh, excited about the next Black Wednesday thing coming up because we get to do all the barrel aged beers then um, Evil Check does a great white stout too oh that, that Bigsby oh okay yeah they do a great one how do you feel about Evil Check and 1056 and all those beers that because I, I don't get a chance to go to those breweries a lot they're kind of a little bit out of my radar only because I have to drive there and then drive back and sure. when you're driving that far to drink beer it's hard to like come back sober so unless you have a driver right but how do you feel about those breweries in particular because I, I have not heard much 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'll i find something I like everywhere. So, you know, Evil Chuck, that, uh, that Bigsby is just great. You know, that's one that honestly introduced me to White Stout. So that's the one that always sticks out in my mind. And a great and name. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's such a great If you name. want to go into it, Dave, yeah, that's on you. Yeah. Otherwise, you I'll, know. I'll leave that one alone. All right. So, uh... Big, We're talking Chappelle show here, right? Yeah, yeah, we are okay. talking Chappelle show. That's where the name came from. So that's you know the, the name of their white stout, and it's you know it, it it's great, and that's what I I know they make a lot of other great beers, but that's the one that you know sticks out for me with them. And uh, uh, I know Ten Fifty Six makes some good beers too. You know that I find them in my local liquor store that I go to. So I picked a couple of bombers up cool. and tried them out too. So yeah, I've been really into the bare hands. I've been enjoying a lot of what they've been doing, too. And I don't know if it's because of just availability, um, but I've been digging that one as well. Great. Um, I, I want to I kind of ask you guys a couple specific uh, industry questions for yourself. From an off-square side as a brewer, what are some things that you really want the people of the area to know about the brewing process and maybe, like, either feedback you get from the public of maybe misunderstandings or misconceptions um, that would be really informative for them to understand? Well, I think, you know, one of the big things is the time it takes. Um, you know, people see that today's a brew day. They'll be like, well, that be ready tomorrow? Um, that's really not how it works. You know, you, the fermentation alone takes weeks. You know, if it's a, a lager, it could take months. Um, so we do our best to time our mainstays you know i'm gonna call them their mainstays but there are a couple times where you know it could be a couple days where oh well we sold out and it's going to be a couple days before you know it's ready to tap again and i think people don't really grasp that that it takes you know two three weeks to do that ale you know from day one till ready to sure. tap and you know yes we try to time it to where if we know our you know angry betty stout is running low we got you know a few kegs left and it's got a few days left before it's ready well there might be a couple days where you know we just don't have it because it's not ready yet you know i don't think you know uh just the the, the general beer drinker doesn't always realize that it could take weeks to months to brew a beer from day one till ready to go interesting and from the side of it, when it comes to distribution, what are some misconceptions that you run into when you've got 62 beers on tap? <laughs> some of the misconceptions. Let's see. Um, I mean, it's, uh, as far as, like, how sales go or, like, yeah, as stuff uh, you know, people ask you, and I know you're kind of, like, how much of a turnover do you have on the taps? How important it is to turn over for you? Um, what are some of like the feedback well, yeah. you get from well, people? Well, you don't ever want anything sitting. You know, you don't. You, you kind of want to set up your your keg list as something that you know is going to move and and, and flow um, with the time with the seasons. So, uh, a lot of lower ABV stuff has been put on now uh, with the summertime because people don't want to be drinking the heavy stuff. I think I only have like three or four barrel aged things on right now, uh, and usually less than that. Uh, I do a lot of sours, uh, gozas. Um, Loggers, Pilsners, Hellas, um, but a lot of people come in and uh, they, they are mostly uneducated when it comes to that and I'm grateful for that because then you get to be the one to kind of introduce them to things in the market and what's selling and what's hot and what's consistent and what's good in the area and for me the first thing to like go to is local stuff is always uh, introduce people to that local uh, scene to what's happening right around them immediately um, but other things that like we go through about eight to 12 kegs uh, a week, probably on a, on a good week. And it's constantly changing. You know, you're constantly thinking about the seasons, what's going on. Every day is national whatever day, you know, like, oh, do we, do I do something for national? Don't yeah, I've been do, I, <laughs> do I do something for national brown shoe day? Like, uh, no, I don't know. It's just so hard to keep up with every trend. So what we try to do is we have one, one brewery the month every month and we have one tap invasion every month and we focus on those things we focus on that beer we focus on educating on uh, the staff on that beer educating our guests on that beer and uh, that brewery and what's happening there and with them um, so try and market it that way to get people excited about it and uh, give glass giveaway take home the pipe night you know t-shirts keychains stuff like that to get people excited about coming in trying new things um so i feel like that's been a great way to get out 
the word on the immediate area of you know, what's happening in, in Northwest Indiana as far as craft beer scene. Um, sure, let me turn it around a little bit. How can, if you had to communicate something to the breweries, mm-hmm. what would you communicate to them to help them get you on their tap list faster or, or more consistently? Uh, well, I mean, I, I Hold can't. Hold grab a pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got something to say about it? Like, I, yeah. No, I want to know how. Yeah. 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 Well, well, I mean, because it's always about availability and demand to a certain extent. It is about supply, availability. Right? And, so. and it's not always, uh, it's not always, you know, it doesn't always coincide perfectly, you know. You, you're not always on the same tab as the brewery. You're never going to be. You know, it's because when you're wanting something from them, they're already on to the next thing or something else And because you're setting up your tap list based on your needs and what you're doing and what's going on in your restaurant, not what's going on in, in the brewery. So now all these breweries have, um, you know, they have uh, places to eat inside you know they, they all do the pub you have uh, pizzas and food and so they're all doing their own thing now um, so you kind of have to go by your agenda so it's kind of hard to to put it all together because when you're actually wanting something like I wanted Cherry Springer four weeks ago well guess what there's none of that ba- or you know ready or whatever so well, so. you, like even Chris brought it up last week, is that um, it's one of those things that it's actually the market has gotten a little bit oversaturated to it where is. it's harder than ever to get into the taps of people that aren't breweries, yeah. right? I'm sure he'll, so have, what are he'll some have no of those? problem, though. Uh, if he well, just keeps up doing what he's doing, he's not going to have a problem getting on tap lists. Well, His that's, I think, like, if, if we're talking about Windmill being amazing at memes, I think I think Devil's Trumpet's amazing at distro. Oh, right? oh yeah. They're incredible. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so that's what they brought to that table. But he does acknowledge the fact that if there is a game and there is an art form into getting on the taps, there and is. So you, you what know, does that look like? I mean, just being consistent. Being uh, consistent is a big one. You know, uh, cost is obviously a factor in all of that. You know, I can't just be like, oh, hey, I'm going to buy all these great beers and they're extremely expensive. Well, you know what? A, it's a, lot a relationship of, game. Yeah, it, it is. It is definitely a relationship, too. Um, I would love to put on everybody in the region and support everybody local. But, you know, the, some some just aren't there yet on the level to where uh, I'm going to have beer come in and move at the rate that we need it to move at. Unfortunately, um, I'm sure a lot of them will get there, but for the most part, uh, everybody in Northwest Indiana is killing it in the craft beer game and I, killing I, I'm it. killing it so I, I love being a part of it and you know reaping all the benefits of this great beer <laughs> yeah, I'm well, sure Rod is too but. I've got an interesting question for both of you guys then how has the relationship evolved from the tap houses to the breweries when it comes because this is the biggest I've ever seen distro being involved from in third party you got Indiana Beverage involved. Uh, how does that relationship get affected by that? And are you more reliant on that third party than ever, or is there, are you still going out and making those relationships with the, with the taps? You know, as far as the, the brewery standpoint, I think, you know, every brewery eventually wants to get to the size where they need to rely on somebody like that. But, you know, because it is a relationship game, I think it's awesome that, you know, it is the, the personal one-on-one where you have somebody that is specifically representing your brewery that can go in and talk about your beer and you know let you know the exact details of oh yeah that was just put in the keg yesterday and because i was there watching it where if it's you know the the third party you know they don't know for sure you know if the salesman you know he's you know trying to you know put it on and you know respectfully represent your beer but it might not necessarily be as knowledgeable if you have that person that is uh, working directly with the brewery. What I love is uh, the, P- the the distributors that come in and put their finger on the pulse of what's happening at Docs. They're there. Um, they sit down at the bar. Well, I met Mark last week, last you met Friday. Mark. Yeah, you met Mark. I know Todd uh, from back in the Todd day. Todd Brown, yeah. And yeah. Uh, those guys, uh, they come in and they put their finger on the pulse and they see what's happening at Docs and they don't just come in. They're like, hey, I'm dropping this off. Hey, I need you to put this on. Hey, I need... It's They sit down 
they take it all in uh, and they see what's happening. And then they come to me with things that they think that are going to thrive at docs. And uh, we, you know, you have those type of relationships with people in distro. And another good example is uh, Charlie over at New, New Oberfalls. I see Charlie every week, pretty much the same time every week. It's like I could set my watch on it. The guy's going to be there. He's going to come into the bar. He's going to talk to the same people, do the same thing. And, you know, the beer is going to be good every week. So the, consist the, same, the consistency, consistency part of it's an integral part. Is everything, yeah. And uh, just coming in and getting an idea for what we're doing. You know, as a restaurant, as a business, uh, because you can come in and you can and you can be, drop beer off and say, "Hey, you gotta have this beer," and it could be great beer. That's awesome. But if you don't have your finger on the pulse of like what's happening at the restaurant, then are you really being, you know, on that distro side of giving the the business what they really need, or sure. are you just trying to get rid of what you're trying to get rid of? You know, and, those distributors are representing the the, the big macros, you know, yeah. and and that's the shit that sells itself, you know? They don't have Is Off Square considered a big macro? <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all. No! Okay. Not, not yet. No. Not yet. They will be. No, you're there, man. You're, you're, you're like you're knocking on the door. Your, your big macros are your, you know, Miller Lite, Coors yeah, Light, Bud Lights, you know? Oh, you're talking about the domestic side. I was yeah, yeah. seeing it so crap. The, the big macros, you know? Yeah, yeah. But... The, and and that, those, those reps, you know, that's... I don't want to say it's their main focus because the stuff does sell itself. You know, they don't have to go in there and be like... Hey, try this, you know, and you know the the bars that are going to buy it, they're going to buy it. So you know, we want the people that are really going to represent, you know, the craft for what it is. So is the distribution game lacking a, a craft beer all platform? Um, I, I I'm not going to say it's lacking, but it doesn't necessarily have the the personal aspect to you know the direct representative of the brewery. You know, I just think that you know that's a huge plus to it. I, I think Didro distro in the area could do with a heavy educational on craft beer all across the board okay um, well that's good to know uh, so um, that's good to know you know just it's something that's moved so quickly in the past five years and it's ex just exploded and and you get it you, uh, i mean things are moving and they have to go through the steps of what they're doing and they have to take the steps they're, they're and you know, in all that time, craft beer has exploded on the scene, and it's been flooded, saturated the market, like you said. And um, just being able to have the knowledge and get that out there and, and tell people, instead of it just being a product, you know, like, I don't want to hear about products. I want to hear about beer. I want to hear about yeah. why this was made. Tell me the story behind it. Tell me who made it. Tell me what's in it, and tell me what's following up with it. You know, just uh, don't don't sell me you know some item that you got to sell because you got to meet something you know right um well it's kind of tough because you see the craze like the milkshake one's a perfect example right you see the milkshake craze blowing up as a brewer this is my guess right i'm just putting myself into the sociological side of the brewer you get into the you see the milkshake craze blowing up you know it's moving at one point you're having a conversation <laughs> with your group of we should probably be putting out a milkshake Right? right? Just to do it. But you're not on the forefront of it. And I think whoever's on the forefront of those crazes, who's going to really kill it, right? right? And so how do you maintain, like, if it's, say, we all eat peyote today, and we <laughs> go to the Joshua Tree, yes. and we have this, like, incredible inception of a beer that ends up, we just put out, we market the hell out of. It's a great story to tell all your customers at Docs, right? Right. What? How? So is it important to be in front of that of, of, the, of the trend, or is it important to be operating in the trend from a brewing side of things well i feel like we're in the forefront of the trend i think we're one of the beer meccas of the country right now no um doubt. so i think that uh, northwest indiana is definitely at the forefront of the trends right now and what's happening do other people do some certain styles of beer better of course it's always going to be that way um not one area is going to be just like known for the just that one thing and that's what's great about it and for me that's the draw of my job is that i'll never know everything about this industry and i'll never know everything about the beer or the bar side and i'm okay with that because like who wants to go to work every day like i know what i'm doing today i'm gonna do the same old thing every single day and that's just not for me you know i, I could never be like an accountant and sit there and stare at numbers every day all day uh even though like that side of uh of beer you know the numbers game of uh trying to get your best optimal sales out of stuff has become a new game to me to where like i'm challenging myself and wanting to uh put on things that i could you know optimally sell and and get out the door and keep fresh and 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 sell out at the restaurant and now 
only that, like put beers on for people that are genuinely like wanting to get that beer out, passionate about that beer and, and that are doing a great job of doing it. So, I mean, it's just so hard to, because so many people are doing it, you know, off square is doing it. Yeah. Well, Overfall you know, when I, when I go to like the restaurants, uh, the beer centric places and like tomato bar, like tomato bar, you know, that's what I'm looking for. You know, my, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, my eyes go over the national brands and I start looking at the locals. That's what I want. You know, I want to try the locals. I want to try, you know, what's going on right here because in my eyes, the 20-something breweries that we have right here in Northwest Indiana and, you know, maybe even into, you know, the south suburbs of Chicago, they're killing it, you know, and they're they're putting out great product. And um, that that's, that's what I go for. And I, you know, I just recently went to... Uh, a local restaurant where they had absolutely nothing local on draft and it was all you know the big macro stuff and it kind of turned me off and I was like well you know what I think it's Diet Pepsi tonight because you know I'm not gonna drink a beer just because it's a beer you know I want something that is local something that's I wish good. I could do that right? I, I know I know Rod honestly, doesn't you know? settle <laughs> I like there it. no settling I like it, it so. and, I, and I look at it that way sometimes and you know and I, I just love the fact that we have so much around here that is putting out just awesome beer and, and, and great beer mm-hmm. and you know consistently my, my stack of supply at home proves that you know I have an absurd amount of beer at home that you know 90% of it is, you know, Chicago, Northwest Indiana, you know, local beer. We so. should have had a little Mel segue, like, have her stop in for five seconds to um, rant about right? it. <laughs> have no Actually, we got her queued up. We recorded it last night, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we just boxed up down. 17 boxes of beer. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you can see the love though. She she appreciates your hobbies. You appreciate hers. So it works. She out does. For the you, know, best, so. you know, my wife you know likes to say that she's been to more breweries than most of my friends because she's there with me. And you know, <laughs> and the irony of that is she doesn't drink beer either. So you know, she's right. drinking wine and craft uh, sodas or whatever the breweries offer and you know she gets a kick out of all yeah, those she never i've never not seen her with a smile on her face she's yeah. always having a good time definitely so so yeah. all, you know all, all the bartenders there you, oh you don't like beer here try this one you know <laughs> it hasn't worked yet you know? <laughs> nice try there beardy <laughs> not happening where do you guys see the uh, craft beer craze going in this area moving forward are we going to see more breweries popping up are we going to see a kind of stagnant what are we going to what kind of what kind of what what was going to happen? Uh, well, here? I mean, five years ago, I would have told you that it was going to be plateauing and I want to get I want to get an audio documentation that. of your guys's prediction to pull it back in your guys's faces. More coming, more coming, oh, more yeah, coming. definitely more coming. Um, there's areas where there's not any. As surprisingly as the sound. Highland. All right, you just said the word. So there are. I know coming to Highland. Scotty's Brew House, I've heard. All right. Well, there's a couple that I know. <laughs> yeah, I've, heard a, I've heard another so, one, too. And, but and, it was- and that's the thing. You know, if, if they're going to stick to, you know, their market, you know, and know that they're going to, you know, be successful, there's no reason they can't be successful. You know, um, a lot of times, you know, even at, at Off Square, we're like, well, are we going to be busy tonight? Because there's something going on four towns over. Well, that had nothing to do with, you know, the market right here. They're all still coming in. So, you know, even though this is all Northwest Indiana, you know, as long as they're sticking to their market and they're going to be, you know. I mean, we've been there for two years and I, every day, every single day I'm in. Today I'll go in and at least five people will be like, I've, I've never been here. It's the first yeah. time I've been here. And, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, there's been like an influx of about 30,000 people into the region in the last couple years or something crazy like that and it's like I mean all these people are all going to be brand new to what's happening here and it's just going to continue uh, I think you it's going to grow crazy stat? All right, let's hear it. Northwest Indiana at their population right now is larger than Cleveland yeah, so I, <laughs> that's, that's insane wild. to think about and, that's wild. and they had LeBron James <laughs> And that, that's a big part of uh, the allotment, too, in, in beer. And what stinks for that is, like, we kind of get looked at as this little, you know, uh, uh, the region. Like, when actually we're a suburb of Chicago. I yeah. mean, um, we're challenging Indy with what we should be getting. But are we getting the allotment that we should be getting here? And I'm talking, like, maybe beer, but I'm talking more 
spirit side for me you know like am you i love the, the spirit yeah the whiskey should i be getting the whiskey that i'm getting yeah. but but no that allotment's getting set for like indianapolis and bigger areas but you know i think people are going to have to finally you know take a look at northwest indiana and see what's happening here it's growing it's a suburb of chicago you don't see colts and uh, pacers gear around here or anything if you do, so. you're an outcast for <laughs> sure yeah 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 never yeah. heard of her you guys clearly know i'm a proponent of the region right Absolutely. otherwise i wouldn't be doing this but um one of the things i've always loved about this idea was that and it was not mine i believe martin alexi uh would tell me that it's robert and shaw's idea maybe i stole it maybe i didn't i don't know but i would say that one of the things I love about this area, and I think it's really lacking an identity, a positive identity. Um, and I would love to see this place start to look like Brooklyn to Manhattan, as opposed to this suburb no one goes to, to Chicago. <laughs> you know, And right. there's no reason why we can't create that formality and that positivity around this area from a culture side, from a brewery side. Um, well, from our artisanal side looking at what you're doing i think that's a big i mean step for the re- to have somebody that is constantly updating people on current events and what's happening and that's something that the region's never really had what we've had like the nwi magazine or whatever that, that was like once a week or is that once a month or something well you know it's uh, crazy i don't think people would ever even like put it on the same plane but i mean essentially we are in the same ballpark of the times uh, I mean, and so I mean, that's a, that's you're, like kind of the. You're de- so I see something from you guys every day on Facebook, every day. Whereas, like when you, when I was like in going out and doing stuff and actually had a life when I was like in my mid twenties, and I would like do stuff, I would love to have an outlet like you guys, because then I would know like what's happening, what's going on next week, what's you know what's going on this weekend. You're constantly updating uh, the masses on what's happening in this area and stuff that people probably had no idea yeah. what's going on in this area. I mean, or, I think to prove the, the the father of the brewery game in the area, Three Floyds, they've shown that they can make us known and make this area what it is. Hell yeah. I can go states away, you know, and say, oh, I live in Munster, Indiana, and they know where I live. Yeah, you got zombie dust on? Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I can go down in Florida, where you're from, Munster, Indiana. Oh, they know exactly where that is, you know? Because guess what? They put us on the map, I live down the street from Three Floyds. Well, who's to say that the other 20-some breweries that are now in Northwest Indiana can't, you know, do that also, and now... We know where Crown Point is. Yeah. We know where Griffith is. We know where, you know, St. John is, wherever else right. the breweries in the For area me, like, up. when I first started going to Three Floyds, um, my friends wouldn't go hang out with me, uh, Luco, and, uh, because the bartender at the time was the in-school suspension teacher, <laughs> Mrs. Pickles, and uh, <laughs> Karen Pickles. And, uh, <laughs> of course, my friends weren't, you know, actually the best in school, so they spent quite a bit of time in in-school suspension. And uh, you don't usually have an uh, affection for your in-school suspension teacher. It's usually, you know, you're already a bad kid, <laughs> and you're just so ticked funny. off about me. So every time I'd be like, you guys got to check out Three Floyds. you got to come here and check this out. We're like, no way, Mrs. Pickles is there. You know, we're not going there. That place is terrible. And it took like, you know, four or five years for them to be like, holy crap, this is like really good beer, you know. And it was yeah. just because of that stigma. So, so it's, it's it's it was just a funny story about how it came to be. And I would literally go to Three Floyds by myself for like the first three years because I couldn't get my friends to come hang out with me there. So they'd be like, you got to well, see I remember again. when they had to do the hustle, you know, when they were in Hammond, you know. I remember oh, yeah, that 20 yeah. years ago, you know. The first beer I ever ma- bar I ever managed, I can remember them coming in with a six pack and put it out on the bar and say, "Hey, you want to try this?" And it's like, "Who are you and what is this?" You know, because yeah. at that time, there weren't six thousand breweries across the country. There was, you know, a hundred, a couple hundred at that point. Yeah, they got in at the perfect time. Yeah, and, and, just, and they and they did it. And I, and I can remember them coming in, and you know, they they were brewing in some garage over in Hammond, and you know they obviously you know are the front runners of the area and you know they put northwest indiana on the map for the brewery scene sure yeah i first started going there it was uh i think three taps you had to bring your own pint glass 
Yeah, it was everything was five bucks. I think you didn't have, but you sat in rusted folding chairs and card tables, and you brought your own snacks I and your own it. pint and glass. And you liked it. And, and you, you liked loved it. it. And and it smelled like spent grain everywhere. Well, I mean, I don't know if you, yeah. Up, so. so so if you don't love craft beer, you probably don't like that smell. So it it was off putting yeah. to some people, but for me, it was like, this is uh, you. You felt like. It was something great happening. Like sure. you just knew it was going to be something great. I remember but, the uh, first time I went there it was the same was experiences. I was with my high school friends, and we were out there, and we were just like hanging out, and we're like, let's go to Three Floyds, let's check it out. We're probably talking 2006 around that time, and we roll into there, and it's just got like it was all red walls. I don't know if you remember that. It was yeah. like really like <laughs> cut off, yeah. and there was like that one little window, which I think is still there, that goes into the brewery. Yeah. But the food was just like so unique. And I remember it like. Um, at that point, you know, being 23, you're like, I don't want any part of this food. Like, I wanted, like, an Italian beef sandwich or something, you know. But it was, like, hard carrots and, like, hard vegetables and green beans. and so asparagus. good. It was like, now it's like their culinary side is so incredible. Oh, yeah, they got nominated for a beard award or, like, crazy stuff. I mean, yeah. I, I, like, religiously go eat the ramen there. Like, you love much, it. Like, and you said that's leaving the menu soon, right? I, I heard. I, I have no idea. I'm, but I heard that it was going to get switched off of there. I'm hoping gotcha. not. So I'm going to keep eating it until it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are absolutely right. I know when I went out to New York, my buddy owns that Radiant Pig Brewery, and I went out there to help pour for him. And uh, I would people would, like, we talked to other breweries, and they'd be like, where are you from? I'm like, you know, Northwest Indiana. They're like three Floyds, you know. It's like they got to get all that. And you know, the other beer that they really knew from this area too was Pipeworks. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. those were the two. Oh, I yeah. love Pipeworks, yeah. but those are the two beers. They were like Pipeworks and Three Floyds are money. I'm that a, was the one. I'm I a heard. big Taxman fan. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you don't hear too much of that up here, but I'm a huge Taxman fan too. I think and, they're starting to break up, break in up here a little bit more. A little you know, bit. You're starting little to see bit. it on the shelves now. And, yeah. Definitely. And I'd like to make this a formal announcement that Rod is going to start incorporating a lemon rice soup beer. That's the lemon ghost <laughs> goes up, and then the <laughs> rice rocket. Lemon rice goes. It wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to get a Frankenbeer uh, going here, so like people who actually listen to the podcast can go into the, your places and they can order a specific type of beer and get it. Oh, that would be awesome! And that's a mixture. And so Chris was last week was talking about how now their night goat is getting mixed with vodkas to create like this coffee vibe. Oh yeah, yeah. And like flavored vodkas. Okay. Is there any mixtures at Off Square? So the uh, the irony of this is just at the uh, the windmill anniversary the other day we had our Hefeweizen on and we had our uh, coffee stout on and our brewer actually mixed the two and it was really good. Okay. <laughs> so our our Hefeweizen with and, and mind you I don't like the whole mix the beer thing. The I really last don't. for me. Yeah. Right. That's how I kind of feel about it. <laughs> but he mixed the Hefeweizen with the coffee stout and it was really good. And he goes. You can't tell me this isn't good, and I'm like, it is. It was pretty good. So, so what would you call that beer so people can order it? I mean, it, you know, it was some type of on the spot. It was like a dunkel mix. You know? <laughs> the dunkel mix. Yeah. You All know right. who who does who does them? Who I always see at uh, you know fests and pouring is uh, founders. He always does a little mixture of all his, and he mixes his uh, rubeus, which is the raspberry, with his uh, breakfast stout, oh, and he called it a, he called it a morning rub. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So when I was switching over last year for the uh, Black Wednesday event, I had uh, a couple of ciders on that I needed to move for some barrel aged stuff, and it didn't have a chance to clear through the lines like proper. But I mean, we clean the lines every week. Uh, that's a great thing about that we get to clean the lines it's like everything's fresh always i'm always like hey you want to try your beer want to try your beer you know make sure everything's fresh but we were switching through the lines and i was pouring through on a strawberry cider or something like that and uh, the beer was uh, barrel aged straw uh, teddy bear kisses and so there was like a half and half on there and it was like a the most amazing like chocolate covered works. strawberry and i'm just sitting there like like nobody in the whole restaurant weren't even open yet and i'm like in the corner with this beer like like i'm doing something wrong like i'm hiding from somebody and there was nobody there but it was so good and like i just like from then on it's just been like something comes on like right now we got kitten slumber party so strawberry magic kitten slumber party or boulder chocolate shake with kitten slumber or one of the ciders is just 
phenomenal. KBS with any cider is just, uh, and I know Money, it's blasphemy. Huh? I'm so sorry to all the KBS brewers. I'm love just KBS, kidding. Dude. Just kidding. I don't really do this. <laughs> and, but. and honestly, that is kind of the way I look at it sometimes. It's like that brewer, you know, specifically, <laughs> specifically made this beer like that. Why are you mixing something else? Right, you know, like some brewer somewhere, he's just like, he's like, I took all this time, and yeah. he's like, some guy that actually and this guy gets at to put my beer on. <laughs> I've never given it to anyone. I've never showed it to a guest, though. So, so I'm, been sti- I'm still looking for the lemon rice soup beer. Oh I'm still God. looking for it. The, tr- the region staple. You're just going to have to put a tap on it, like Jedi's or Ramen the <laughs> <Tigers. laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> all right. Maybe then you'll convince me. Oh, there you go. It's the money. It's that. It's that. Uh, it's that uh, beer capitalism we were talking a, about. A, that would earlier. be awesome. I would definitely be all about that. <laughs> Any uh, final thoughts for the listeners? Anything else? Uh, I mean, let's see. drink it, what you like. Yeah, definitely. You don't have to jump on the trends. Yeah, there's no wrong beer. There's no wrong beer to drink. It there's no right the beer season. to drink. Yeah, I know a lot of people stick on the seasons on what you could drink. If you want to drink a barrel aged stout in the middle of July, go for it. You know, it's it's what you want to drink. If Definitely. You, if you want to drink the trends, go for it. If you want to put glitter in your beer, yeah, I'll make fun of you, but go for it. <laughs> yeah, your palate your palate is constantly changing. So you know, if uh, for me, I didn't like barrel aged stuff. You know, like uh, it wasn't the first beer for me to jump on four or five years ago now like i'll wake up and (laughs) gladly drink one if somebody challenges me to just because i have such a love for that beer and everything that's gone into it um and uh, just that i actually genuinely like the taste you know before i'd have friends like oh why do you only drink lambics or sours or um why do you drink the lighters because that's what i like you know form your own opinions that's a huge one and i think we touched upon that a little bit earlier Form your own opinion. Don't say, I'm not sure what to think about this yet. You know, say what you think about it. You know, if you like it or if you don't like it, it's okay. If you if someone else says it's fantastic and you don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. But don't jump on it just because people say you're supposed to like it or don't not like it just because people say, oh, that's not a good brewery. Form your own opinion. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. It's okay. Move on to the next one. Try something else. But form your own opinions. Let's cool. get rid of the stigma of dark beer. <laughs> There's yes. no such thing anymore. Move it. No, no, let's not discriminate between dark and light beer anymore. It's That's just right. the, uh, hey, It's just all malt. Equal opportunity beer. It is. So, yeah, uh, it, yeah it's just all, it's nothing's the wrong beer and nothing's the right beer. It's whatever you like. Cool. Well, special thanks to you guys for coming in today. Thanks really appreciate yeah, it, man. I hope you guys had sure. fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know I have. I know I'm catching a buzz, and it's a great birthday day for that. But um, yeah, thank only 21. Thanks. I'm not going to sing one to you, time. So. <laughs> <laughs> that means I've been drinking illegally for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, again, thank you guys for coming. If you guys want to find them, you can find Off Square across all platforms. What is your website? Offsquarebrewing.com. Offsquarebrewing.com. If you have any hate mail at all, send it to Rod McKenzie. <laughs> Uh, he's he's, a, he's available at all, and that's McKenzie with an A, right? Correct. M A C capital K. Okay. And Straight Scotsman. Straight Scotsman. <laughs> yeah. And you could find Dave Foreman on yes. at David Foreman on Facebook, I believe, right? Yes. yes. And then across all platforms at Docs BBQ, don't be sure to not go to Mokino or Milwaukee. <laughs> he is at the Dyer location. You will not get the other ones. And DocsBBQ.net. Correct. Correct. Right. Yes, okay. sir. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Talk well, to you cheers. later. Cheers.